Hey, Short Church. Uh, good to be here uh, with you. I'm here in my basement. I'm going to be re-recording Ecclesiastes 11 for us because on Sunday, uh, just this past Sunday, uh, it got videoed, but yet the sound didn't come through on the camera. So this is what uh, you're getting. You're going to get a little bit of me uh, in my basement here. And I want to give you the Word of God uh, through Ecclesiastes 11. Uh, and uh, do my best to uh, present it uh, as I presented it on Sunday. And so uh, let me pray for us, and then, uh, yeah, enjoy. All right, pray. Let me pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for all that you have done. Thank you for your amazing grace for us. Thank you for your presence, even here uh, when we're via video. And uh, Lord, we thank you for video production, uh, the ability to... Uh, hear your word uh, through uh, this means, um, but ultimately, Lord, we long to be with one another, but ultimately, we long to be with you. And so help us uh, live out what you call us to here in Ecclesiastes 11. Uh, help us be faithful as you are faithful. And uh, Lord, uh, may you um, be glorified through this means. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me read uh, Ecclesiastes 11 and we'll, we'll jump in. Well, it says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves in the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity." Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So this is the word of God. Well, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure if you knew this or not, but I was at Praxis Church um, uh, the last weekend, so Friday, Saturday, Jody and I did a training uh, for their leaders, and we're going to actually be doing a training for um, the Shore Church as well. And so if you are listening to this and it's not yet September 9th and 10th of 2022, uh, then you can join us. Uh, you are free to join. You can come on to the website at w. Um, www.theshorechurch.com and you can sign up and register. It's on the bottom uh, portion of our website and you can uh, sign up to that uh, training. It's going to be a workshop of sorts that we hope everyone gets an opportunity to, jo to join. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, more details will come with that, but uh, a warm welcome from Praxis in that training and and uh, yeah, just looking forward to an opportunity to do that training here as well at the shore. Well, let me, uh, let me jump in uh, to this uh, amazing text. So I've outlined this passage starting with, uh, number one, a call, and that's verses one through three. Number two, why, why the call, why, why the call to give, 
And then what that call is, God says so. So a call to give, why? God says so. And then the third point is the result of that is contentment. So as you give, as you give faithfully, uh, as you obey Christ um, and God the Father, uh, you will find contentment. And that's verses 6 through 10. So let's start with the call and the call to give. Let me read verses 1 through uh, 3 for us again. It says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. See, we didn't touch on this last week, but let me hit it quick now. Look back on your Bibles to chapter 10, verse 19 of Ecclesiastes. Uh, bread, it says, bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens, the li- gladdens life and many, uh, sorry, and money answers everything. See, bread is made for laughter. What What is Solomon getting at here? And why is it here again in chapter 11? But not just here, we see it in many places in the scripture. A meal is made to enjoy and to enjoy with others. It brings life, it sustains us. There's laughter involved. Conversation, a deep fellowship happens around a meal. Like we know this, we, we experience this two to three times a day. And if you're a, a teenage boy, probably five to six times a day at barbecues with friends and families together enjoying bread. At our house last weekend uh, to see the kids playing and getting dirty and having great laughs, seeing new friendships happen. Uh, and also, uh, you know, like typical boys, they get each other in headlocks and they're best friends uh, from that point on. But it's all around breaking bread together. And this is what a little bread will do. See, Jesus uses bread when he talks of the word of God and himself as well. In John 6, 35, it says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Or in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, we know the true author behind the scripture is God himself. So what is going on here? Why cast this bread Upon the waters, the very thing that brings sustenance, life, enjoyment, that we have just cast away? Well, the preacher king is saying, Solomon is saying here, after much observation, that giving to those around you is actually what brings laughter. Caring for those that are in need brings sustenance. And like the waves of the ocean, even casting your bread out, the blessings of loving another will return to you like the tide to the shore. You see, giving to another is a main theme within Scripture, and it is the very thing God did for us by way of giving us His Son. Let me show you just a snapshot of giving in the Scripture that I believe Solomon is saying here in our text by way of a few uh, Proverbs. So look at Deuteronomy uh, 15, verse 10. It says, You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. And uh, man, I I shared a little bit this on Sunday, but I'm not sure of you, but looking at that begrudging, like when, when you give something, do you ever have a begrudging thing in your heart? And I shared a story, like when people come over to our house, Jody is an amazing cook. Like she knows how to uh, work a kitchen. And uh, when, when she offers, when people leave and they come over and she offers them leftovers and oftentimes leftovers of the dessert, I'm kind of going and it, with a begrudging heart. Do you really want to give away my food, my dessert? Do you want to give it that way? 
And that's evil. That's an evil motivation of my heart to hold within. And I don't know what tomorrow brings. I have no idea if I'll actually be able to taste that dessert once again. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's a begrudgingness in our giving. And, and uh, I'm not sure if I'm the only one, but this is one of those things that I battled over the 28 years of our marriage when I tasted such good food. And and by God's grace, that has uh, definitely changed. But there's stuff in us still that we begrudge when we hand over things that we maybe worked on or cared for or, or produced ourselves. And, and when we hand it to another, uh, it's not out of the pure joy that the Lord has done for us through his giving of his son. Other portions of scripture like Galatians 6.10 say it this way. It says, so then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Not holding back that dessert. Let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are in the household of faith. See in 1 Timothy 5.8, Paul goes as far as saying, by you not giving and sharing with your family is likened to acting worse than an unbeliever. See 1 Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Or Hebrews 6.10 where it says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the, the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Or Proverbs. I've got a handful of Proverbs right in a row here. Proverbs 14.31 it says, Whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker. So when you walk by a poor man and look upon him with a, a begrudging heart or you oppress him or you you think ill of him in your mind and your heart, you are essentially casting insults at his maker, which is also your maker. It's God himself. See, again, it says, whoever oppresses a poor man insults his maker, but he who is generous to that same man, to the needy, honors him. Honors not just the man, but it honors the maker. Proverbs 17.5 says, whoever mocks the poor insults his maker. Again, mocking the, the poor, you're mocking the maker. He who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. Or Proverbs 19.17, where it says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. And we see this again in the Gospels when Jesus said, when you fed the, the sick and the ill and the poor, you fed me. That's where Proverbs 19.17 comes in. Proverbs 21.13, also again, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. This actually could hinder our prayer life. Matthew 5.42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And Or Luke 6.30, where it says, give to everyone who begs from you and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Or 1 Timothy 6.18 and 19, they are good to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. So again, our text in Ecclesiastes 11, verses 1, to 1 and 2 says, Cast your bread, cast your riches, cast the things that give you laughter upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. See, Solomon is quadrupling down here, reminding us because we are that slow to learn that we have no idea what tomorrow will bring. So bless others with what you have and don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough 
worries of its own. Matthew Henry said it this way, and man, I wish that we spoke like this still, but he says it this way. He says, excuse not thyself with the good thou hast done from the good thou hast further to do, but hold on and mend. See, in hard times when the number of the poor increases, let thy charity be proportionable, enlarged. See, God is rich in mercy to all, to us, though unworthy. He gives liberally and unbraids, not with former gifts, and we must be merciful as our Heavenly Father is. So, we are called to give our talents, our gifts, our treasure to those in need. And we are also called to give our spiritual gifts to build and upbuild the church. See, then there is this confusing line in verse 3, but ties together with 1 and 2. It says this, If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. See, God's sovereign power, God's sovereign power governs the clouds and rain and even where the tree falls. See, God gives us an example of his ongoing giving to his creation. Every time rain falls, at that very time and place, he determines. And that tree falls to give back to the ground it took from as long as it lived, by rotting and feeding the soil and bugs. See, God has made this planet to sustain itself. He has also made us to care for one another. He's made us to have dominion over the land and the sea and the animals. And we are called to care for one another. See, when we see a need, we water it. Like God waters the dry ground. May this week be a week that we practice and apply the action step of giving to one another. And do it not just for one or two, but six, seven, or eight. Think of a way you might be able to do that. See, I have a friend, a really close friend. He knows who he is. I have a friend that tucks away a a few $20 bills in his wallet just for the chance God might put someone in front of him that needs it more than him. So he prays that God would reveal that person, and each day he does. Uh, He's a good man. Uh, In the years past, Jody and I, we used to cook an extra meal. Uh, We lived in a different location. We were close to a homeless community, and we'd cook an extra meal, and then we'd go and find a picnic table that someone was sitting on, and And we would offer them that extra meal and we would sit, actually sit with them and eat with them that meal and and gain and learn their story and and share the good news of Jesus with them. And I guess the challenge for me to you is, what what are you going to do? What is God placing in your heart to give like Jesus has given you? So that's number one. Number two is why? Why do we do this? Why do we give? Well, because God says so. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Not only does God command us to give, but His ways are far greater than ours. So you remember in chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Whether it is love or hate, man does not know, both are before him. So you can observe the wind and the clouds and still not get a full grasp of how they work. But the bones forming in the mother's womb? Come on. You don't fully understand that. Like, we don't. So these are mysteries we are unable to replicate. Windstorms still hit unprepared cities. Clouds appear without a trace. 
and the action of intimacy producing another functioning human being with its own soul to be redeemed? These are ways far above our ways. So when we receive a challenge to give and to be generous and to be filled with joy from the one who governs the wind, the clouds, and life itself, see, our action step is simple. We submit. And this is exactly what Solomon is calling us to. See, much of life is a result of faith. We will not get to the end of our lives saying, wow, I finally got it. I know now all the answers to everything. No, you'll never get there. See, I've always enjoyed sitting at the feet of my grandparents, listening to them talk while playing with Lego or a block set that was from the 1950s. What I found early in my life while listening to those conversations and now listening to others that are smarter than me, you actually realize how little you know, which then gives you two options. Either you pretend to know, which ends horribly, or you humble yourself and rely, rely more on the Word of God than ever before and slowly picking up and creating ways you can minister for God's kingdom. See, I choose the latter. I choose the latter. What, what about you? Which one do you choose? Do you choose to try and trick yourself into the mysteries that this world holds on to and think you can kind of understand them? Or do you submit these mysteries to the Lord, the Creator, the One, the Sustainer, the One that knows where dark goes when the light comes? Which do you choose? So because God is in control of the wind, the clouds, and life itself, why do we give? Well, because God says so. So when things are far too great for us to comprehend, the best response is contentment. Is contentment. Contentment in the things that God has provided us. And that's the last point. The result is contentment. Verses 6 through 10. So we're going to take one of these verses one at a time and, uh, and just work through them together. So let's look at verse 6 first. It says, In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So this call here in this proverb essentially is to share, seek, work, minister throughout the day, throughout the time you have. This is the scattering and and don't wait for the growth. Don't hold your hand out thinking you know what is about to occur. For wherever you scatter, you have no idea what lands on the good soil and takes root. See, Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 7. He says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. So scatter. Share the good news of Jesus and be free to watch how God uses your faithful service for his kingdom. See, this is the call and one of our core values to evangelize. Scatter the sheep, the, the seed around and let, let God do the growth. Look at number seven, verse seven of chapter 11. It says, light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. See, light is not only sweet and pleasant to the eye, but it is the source of life. See, in the story of creation, it was one of the first things created. It brings happiness to man, produces growth for all vegetation, gives warmth to the skin, and some would argue even to the soul. See, Jesus uses the word light in a way that not only gives sight, it awakens you spiritually, but claims to be light himself. See, John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And friends, if this is the case, then it is Jesus that brings life. It is Jesus that is sweet and pleasant to see. And may this week be a week where you seek to look upon Jesus in his word, in his creation. Look at the attributes that 
his in, in, invisible attributes that are shining around creation as the light source of your life. Look to Jesus. Verse 8 says, So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in, in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. See, like the sun is sweet and brings life, darkness is something of the creation order as well. There's a daily cycle that occurs that is a daily reminder that day brings life and fellowship and community as we live our lives, but darkness also comes representing the discipline of the Lord because of our sin and rebellion towards Him. See, we are called here by the preacher king to remember them both. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, God reminds the people of Israel of a similar concept. He reminds the people that joy and blessing will come. This is the light. But in the midst of joy, you will be tempted to forget the God who gives it to you. Like even in the sunlight, you will forget that God exists. In the same sense, there will be darkness, which represents the discipline of the Lord because of the forgetfulness of his people. So whether light or in the dark, we are called to remember and surrender to the commands of God because they are good for us. So remembering the Lord and surrendering to him is wisdom to do anything else is vanity. And then verse 9, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. So you remember the prophet Elijah and how he mocked the 450 prophets of Baal? See, the challenge to have the true God rain fire from heaven to burn up the sacrifice given? And Elijah yells out to them, Maybe your God is sleeping or relieving himself. See, this proverb in verse 9 is like that. It is mocking those who put their trust in feelings and those that put hope in the flesh, because those that do will rightly receive God's judgment. See, this is the folly of youth, but often enters into adulthood. One author said it this way, They are so set upon that which is pleasing to sense that they cannot bear anything that is displeasing. This is the youth. This is the darkened soul. See, this is our world's message as well. Please yourself. Do what is best for you. Follow your heart and whatever your eyes take pleasure in. When the scriptures actually say our, our heart is evil and deceptive above all things, no one can understand it. But yet our world is saying follow it. See, the problem is, like this proverb is saying, God will bring judgment for the folly of this lifestyle. Friend, if this is you, if this last week was one that you ignored the Spirit of God for the pleasure of your heart and your eyes... We don't lose our salvation, but we are warned that our prayers might be hindered. I already read a, a proverb that mentions some of this. Like when you don't answer a poor man and begging to you, you may when you pray and lift up your requests, you may not be answered to either. But we also see this in James 4.3. It says when you pray for things, you don't get them because you want them for the wrong reason, for your own pleasure. See, again, serving your kingdom rather than God's. Or in 1 Peter 3.7, challenges us husbands to live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So even more than that, if you have something between you and another, it never feels right. You know something is wrong. Now this is the last thing we want with our Heavenly Father, isn't it? And the last thing He wants with us. That's why He's so eager to forgive our sin upon our confession. So let's live not by way of our heart or eyes or our youth, but set aside youthful passions. Set aside following our hearts. And let's follow Jesus. 
See, by, by loving the commands of our Lord Jesus, this is the direction we are called to live. So lastly, verse 10, it says, Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. So let's point form this one. Take away anger from your heart. Well, I've said this before and it's worth saying again, but this vexation just means anger, but anger breeds anger. We are called to love, care for, and draw near to one another. And when you're angry, oftentimes you elevate, you escalate your voice when someone else is angry with you. Or if you're angry at someone else, they'll escalate uh, to that same level with you. And so that's why I say anger breeds anger. And so we're called rather to be angry. We took all actually to love and care for and to draw near to one another. See, anger is contrary to the very thing God has called us to. And he's called us to put away pain from your body. Put away this stuff. So put away pain from your body. Does this mean we are free to take high-powered pain meds? I wish. I've got really bad knees, and uh, but that's not what it means. See, pain here is translated, can also be translated as evil. And Paul in 2 Corinthians 7, 1 says it this way. It says, help uh, someone helps us in how we deal with evil. It says, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. This is removing the pain, removing the evil from your body. So we're to take away anger, remove evil. These are all our responsibilities, not God's. Lastly, for youth and the dawn of life or vanity. See, the beginning stage of life is filled with energy. We see this in our kids running around nonstop with no sense of self-awareness to injure or harm to injury or harm. See, wisdom and knowledge comes with age. We see a different perspective. We've had many days with light and we have had many days of darkness. And by God's grace, we have learned from them both. Learned the biggest lessons, lesson our preacher king is bestowing upon us. And that is, it is the fear of God and contentment in him and him alone that brings true joy in our days while we wait for his return. So may we give. May we give freely with great joy pass on the laughter of our soul may we obey what god has called us to do and find contentment in jesus alone and then now today and in the days to come let me pray for us jesus i thank you for this amazing message of of giving obedience and contentment. I thank you for um, helping us see your word, understand your word, and see the intricacies of this text. But Lord, I pray that uh, it's not just to see it, but but put some action to it. And so I I pray for those that are listening that we will be action be be filled with action to give to give generously, to obey your commands, Lord, to fear you. And to find great our greatest contentment in you. Not in anything in this world, but only in you. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.